0: No one's better than me. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Yeah. Welcome everybody to the Friday, July seventeenth edition of Locked. On Dolphins, I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, NFL draft analyst at the draftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, and very excited to bring you a Friday edition of Power to the Pot, in which you, the listeners, dictate what it is we listen to, what it is we talk about what it is we discuss as it pertains to both the Miami Dolphins and also as it pertains to literally anything else that you guys decide to bring to the table. So the rules of the game are simple. You guys leave five-star reviews on this podcast. I guarantee you I will read your questions. If you leave Twitter questions, I will get to as many questions as I possibly can. But if I do not address your question, odds are I will probably be addressing it over at DolphinsWired.com, courtesy of written content, or over at TheDraftNetwork.com if it's NFL draft related. So, we got a couple extra days. We usually do this show and dance on Tuesdays, but we had the Ultimate AFC East crossover series uh, throughout the course of this week. So we are doing this on a Friday, and we're going to dig into some of these itunes review questions first one comes from ish power to the pod 23 hours ago awesome job on the podcast thank you what can we expect from the d- new defensive coordinator josh boyer this year is he expected to have control of the defense or will brian flores be calling the plays again great job with the podcast and thank you no thank you ish as far as the dynamics of the Dolphins' defensive play-calling duties. That's a good question. I'm not sure if that has been specified yet as far as what that role specifically is going to look like, how they'll balance those dynamics. I would expect Brian Flores uh, to have a heavy hand in the game planning, but knowing what I know about Brian, it would be my expectation that he would not carry primary play-calling duties because... He is uh, kind of the general, right? And you have to be a really good coach to handle play calling duties and that extra bit on your plate versus the overall oversight and management of the team. And I think anytime a coach tries to do too much and have their hands on in too many places at the same time, so when you start to get into trouble. So dolphins promoted within to keep Josh Boyer and have him be the defensive coordinator of the team. I expect that endorsement will result in Boyer being play caller, even if Flores is heavily involved. But I cannot say that for certain. So don't quote me, and it could very easily be wrong. I don't have that information firsthand. Uh, Caitlin. Kyle, very knowledgeable. Thank you. Uh, Power to the pod question. Kyle, what do you make of all this Jarvis Landry return talk? not sure you saw it, but a report came out about how upset he was to leave. Do you ever think we could get him back on a restructured deal? Yeah, so I did see this. This came out on on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if the guy who was talking about it has any uh, formal affiliation with any outlet, but he was talking about how from his understanding – Jarvis was devastated when he found out he had to leave Miami. He loved Miami, loved the community, loved the, the culture of South Florida. Uh, didn't jive with the coaching, obviously, as you might be able to expect from how any other player receives this coach uh, that the Dolphins used to have. Uh, but the, he kind of summarized it, the, the gentleman who was talking about Jarvis, in saying that you know he would eventually someday love to come back. And uh, he piggybacked off of that to then talk about how uh, the Dolphins were actually in potential discussions about bringing in Odell to play with Jarvis in Miami. Those guys are now obviously reunited in Cleveland. And yeah, I love Juice as a player. And I thought that Miami definitely did him a disservice by putting him into that box of being that player in Gase's system. And he got a ton of volume. Uh, but he's a much better route runner and much more capable as a receiver than being effectively a glorified running back in the passing game. I would love to have him back. Uh, Price would have to be right. Uh, but he is kind of one of those, if he's on your team, he's going to be a fan favorite because of the way he plays the game. That's kind of how where I stand on Juice. So, yes, if you could financially get Juice back, I don't know if, how keen I am on potentially paying him $15 million a year. <laughs> But uh, if the money made sense, I would love to see Juice back in South Florida. Uh, Denkobo. Great host, five stars. Thank you. Two questions. Double dipper. I like it. How did you get in journalism and podcasting when you went to Penn State for exercise science? That's a very good question. Uh, so I originally got into football media because I had a colleague and a friend who had some success. Uh, and got hired by a pro team as a scout. So when he got hired, uh, he kind of said, look, here's some of my notes. If you want to take a look at them, uh, y- you are intelligent enough to to work in this space and would encourage you to kind of shoot your shot. And so I created effectively a, a blog that served as a living resume, in which I was trying to attract the attention of an NFL team to to be able to work for them. So effectively, I was building a portfolio in real time on the internet. And that led to an unpaid opportunity with this site. And then that led to a paid opportunity at this site part time, and then it was per diem. And then it's it's kind of just piggybacked and snowballed. And I've been doing this for seven or eight years now. So it's it's a very large chapter of my life that you get a lot of reps. And uh, that's good. It's kind of how started doing duo podcast with Joe Marino and we still do draft dudes together and we've been doing that for four or five years. We were the original locked on NFL draft duo and uh, we've gotten over 500 podcasts together between the two of us and then want a new challenge. Okay, I'll do a solo pod and we make it work. So it's been a very long evolution of opportunities that, that all started with Putting my work in a very transparent space so that I could, you know, build a portfolio and, and try and work in football, and that's worked well for me. Uh, dolphins wise, what is your floor and ceiling for Jordan Howard? He also throws in a little bit of love here for Built Bar, which I love. I'm waiting for them to get restocked as well. Uh, ceiling for Jordan's probably what you saw his first or second year in Chicago, where he's he's between 4.2, 4.5 yards per carry. He gets a, for lack of better phrasing, a shit ton of touches uh, just from between the tackles if, if the Dolphins spacing is going to work and, and force defenses to space out. Um, worst case scenario is he's not very well equipped. You know, the Dolphins offensive line is is unable to create fits and gaps for him because I don't think he's a guy who's going to win and create a lot of uh, magic on his own. So if the Dolphins aren't able to get fit under their blocks and, and Jordan's going to have to create on his own, I think he'll probably be more of a three-and-a-half yards per carry on a guy. So I think his strike zone is between three-and-a-half and four-and-a-half, and, four and, and it really comes down to uh, how well the Dolphins can space the field with consistency and how well their interior guys can get fit on their blocks. Um... Okay, from July 7th, Finns fan number one. I know it's early, but what position groups look deep and thin in the 2021 NFL draft? Corner group is deep. Wide receivers are deep again. The tight end group is deep. I think the offensive tackle group is not great. Uh, obviously, Penne from Oregon is a going to be a household name. There's some other contenders, toolsy guys, but I like that the Dolphins kind of check that box in the here and now. Uh, The running back group should be quite deep as well. I think it's a deep class overall. Uh, The linebackers are strong. The edge guys are the pass rushing group is kind of hit or miss as far as what I've seen thus far. So that would probably be one of the areas that I would designate as not like one of the strongest years in recent years, if you need edge rush. So kind of a, a quick, broad brush stroke of what the draft looks like based on some of the work that I've done over at the Draft Network with the scouting team there. Uh, five-star review. I believe that is it. We got everything else last Tuesday. So thank you for all of the reviews that you guys left. If you left one and it's not showing up, which is something that happens somewhat often, I'll get you next week. I promise. I will always get these five-star reviews. Guaranteed.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast,
0: part of the Locked
1: On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Which brings us to the Twitter questions. We've got about 25 of them. Uh, first one that I'm seeing here comes from Jesse. If there's no preseason, could you see the team having more Full contact and letting the quarterbacks be sacked to get the players acclimated to being hit. Personally, no. I would be stunned if they embraced more contact and wear and tear. Uh, you might see thud, where you know you, you can pop guys with a pad, but you're not going to the ground. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to avoid... I don't think they will compromise the practice safety of the players in order to brace for games. And we got to know coming in, that's part of the reason why the, the players association is pushing for a longer ramp up into games, because if they don't have the longer ramp up and they're not making those concessions, uh, you're going to see more players get hurt early on in the season. And I think that's going to be a risk no matter what, based on how this timeline has been thrown off. But, uh, Hopefully, they find the right balance, but I don't think they'll compromise hits in practice and and quote-unquote waste those hits. Jack, I believe our running game will be very productive this season with our version of Thunder and Lightning. What are the best running back combos in Miami history? What is a realistic prediction for our running game this year? Oh, boy. All right, so we got like the three-headed trio of Sanka, Kick, and Morris, We've got Ricky and Ronnie. And I am not ready to put anybody else in that stratosphere of those five guys, that pair of duos. I know uh, Ricky and Sanka, leading rushers in team history. I'd probably defer to the team that had the more winning success because the, the the Dolphins running game, that was like their brand of play, their style of football, right? So I would probably say the best Running back field in Dolphins history is the Sanka kick Morris trio. Kyle Smith is here to absolutely kill me, but that's fine. We'll figure this out together, Kyle. You have one game to win. You have to choose a Dolphins quarterback that has started post Dan Marino. However, you can't choose Jay Fiedler, Chad Pennington, or the Ryan. So Ryan Fitzpatrick or... Ryan Tannehill, Tua hasn't started yet, so he also doesn't qualify. Whomever you choose is as good as they were when they were on the Fins. Who would you pick to win that single game? I'm going Matt Moore. And the reason being is Matt Moore, you think about when he he played in high bunches in 2016, right, when they had to start the final three games the Dolphins went 2-1 in those games, made the playoffs, won 10 games. For me, Matt is the perfect backup quarterback because he's got just the right amount of edge to his game that he's going to play fearless, and he can win you some games. And because on any given year, when he steps onto the field, he doesn't have the full season's worth of snaps for defensive teams to 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 watch the tape and get tendencies based on what offense he's in on that year. That gives you the opportunity to kind of use his wildness and, and, and ambitious play to your advantage. So I would pick Matt Moore. It's a good question. though. Alejo wants to discuss 2020, 2021 offensive line class and strategies if Hunt remains at offensive tackle or kicks inside. Interior offensive line next year will be crazy. Um, Matt Miller also said Penne will is not offensive tackle one for some scouts. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard some of that sentiment myself, and I think when it's a, all said and done, I think Penne will be uh, the number one offensive tackle just because of his tools and traits, and it's like those non-coachables that he has from an athleticism perspective are very hard uh, to overlook. Um but, yeah, the interior group between Wyatt Davis and Creed Humphrey, like, those two guys, if I could walk out of the first round with a, wide res- a dynamic wide receiver and one of those two guys, like, I'm a kid in a candy store. Creed Humphrey is the center from Oklahoma. Wyatt Davis is the right guard from Ohio State. So, ah, man, offensive tackle is going to be tough. If we had to pick an offensive tackle, if Hunt had to kick inside, I would probably give Robert the 2021 season at tackle anyway. But I think that's why it's important that the Dolphins have picked players that have cross-training experience. Because I would hate to pick Robert Hunt and then pick Wyatt Davis and then feel like you're boxed in because they both have to play right guard. That is not an attractive solution because now you're getting redundant. Neither one of those guys is going to play center for you. So uh, Creed Humphrey's probably the safest bet if we were looking at that interior group, just because Creed playing center, I think he can play guard. No problems, no questions asked, but like dolphins probably right now, unless Michael Dieter steps up in a big way, they're not going to have a long-term answer at the center position where you've got a bunch of guys with tackle guard experience on the roster. It's a good question as well, though. Uh, which Dolphin would win a talent show? I have no idea. I have no idea what their talents are. But I do know, uh, I believe it was Bobby McCain did a little bit of time, I believe I saw this on YouTube, uh, as a bartender, so he can bartend. So maybe you know some cool bar tricks. If you haven't seen that video, that was fun. I would definitely recommend YouTubing it and and watching Bobby. uh, Showed a lot of personality there, uh, behind the bar. Julian wants to know non-record expectations for the team. I want them to be clearly better than the Jets and competitive against Super Bowl teams and other competition. I think that's reasonable. Um, I want to see cohesion along the offensive line. I want to see the Dolphins. get some some reps for Tua by the end of the year, preferably coming after there's cohesion on the offensive line. Uh, I think the, the defense needs to be markedly improved, and that's something that I wrote about today for DolphinsWire.com. I talked about how we might not have realized it, but the last three years are the dark ages of Miami Dolphins' defense in the history of the franchise. The team in the last three years – has given up the first, third and sixth most amount of points that the team has ever given up in a single season. Each of the last 3 years is among the 6th top 6 worst points allowed totals in team history. Think about that. So that for me you think about the the bottom of the, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. It can only go up from here no matter what. But how good can it get when you consider the Dolphins invested as heavily as they did in the defense side of the ball to the point where they almost surprised some people with like the Raquan uh, Davis selection in the second round and Igbo in the first round. Everybody's convinced, oh, they need a running back, they need a wide receiver, they need, they need this and that. Well, they went out and got more defense. And it's because if you look at the trends of the Dolphins defense, 393 points, 433 points, and then 494 points in each of the last three seasons. Sucks. It's been brutal the last three years. So that is my big point of emphasis. Brian is a defensive-minded coach. Obviously, the the 494 last year was inflated by giving up, was it 96 points in the first two games of the season? 99 points in the first two games of the season? So, like, at face value, yes, you gotta acknowledge that, but... At the same time, that's a large number. And even if you take half those points off the board, it's still a large number. It still would have been the most. The Dolphins' previous high was 437 points allowed, and that was back in 2007 when the team went 1-15. So I want to see this Dolphins' defense get a lot better if I'm going to ignore expectations from a wins and loss perspective.
1: If you wanna know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: The Spectacular Sports Spot wants to know what my favorite kind of music is. I have an oddly like diverse palette. Like EDM, like rock. I like rap and R&B. Pretty much the only thing I don't listen to with any consistency at all is country. But that's me personally. I know there's country fans get like real territory about country music. and I will not pretend to be a hater, but it's not on my preferred playlists in any scenario other than like maybe a summertime tailgate. And that's it. Justin. Way too early Dolphins 2021 mock draft. Who do you see the Dolphins taking in the first and second round based on current positions of need and the value of the assumed class in 2021 draft candidates? This is an interesting question. I did see uh, Brent Sobleski of, of Bleacher Report did a mock, and the Dolphins had two top 10 picks because it was based off the Vegas win uh, win total like over underlines. And the Dolphins picked two defensive players. And Micah Parsons and Marvin Wilson. So Micah Parsons is a stud linebacker from Penn State. Uh, He will be a top 10 selection pretty comfortably even at linebacker. Uh, He's an athletic freak. Pretty special player. Marvin Wilson, another war daddy at the the trench spots. Uh, Think Christian Wilkins with more power. Maybe a little less quickness. But... um, It kind of that cut from that same cloth. And I think if the Dolphins were to, for whatever reason, opt to let Devon Godshow and Raekwon McMillan walk, those two players would be financial upgrades because they're on rookie contracts, so they'll be cheaper. They will be upgrades on the field because they're both more dynamic, explosive players. But you're not getting any better on offense, so that kind of hurts. You know, when we're talking about maybe getting Creed Humphrey. I doubt Creed Humphrey would be there in the early second round. So you kind of have to play that game. And I think the def- defensive line has probably gotten enough reinforcements where they could take the loss of Godshout in stride without having to pick a guy in the first round. But even still, it's like I really, I personally really want speed at wide receiver whether that's Jalen Waddell or Rondell Moore. We want to go the Devonta Smith route because he has such great chemistry with Tua. Like, I'm fine getting on board with that, too. But I, I genuinely believe the Dolphins said this year, we want to get the line as well-situated as we can. We want to get our quarterback. We're going to assess that for a year, and then it's time to add the toys. Now, Devonta, Preston Williams, Mike gesicki that's a great start but that's not the whole group. And Albert Wilson's in a contract year and Shaquem Grant struggles with durability and none of these running backs are situated along. So I, I want some, some speed and some home run hitting power because you think about the way to a one and, you know, take it as you will, the people made it a criticism, but like his guys thrived in yards after catch and the Dolphins do not have those players right now. Some wide receiver candidates that I did not mention. I would ke- shout out Rondale Moore from Purdue if you want a really fun 20 minutes, go turn on a couple cut-ups of Rondell Moore playing football. Ohio State 2018. Go watch that game. Dude is dynamic. Really, really fun to watch. Uh, Mike Samuels. Considering the two quarterback rooms of Cincinnati and Miami, do you see Tua's situation as being so much better that it positively affects the trajectory of his career versus Burroughs for the long term? This is an interesting question, and like this has definitely been something that I've noticed as it pertains to how Cincinnati is choosing to handle Joe Burrow. They've got a super young head coach in Zach Taylor. They've got super young coordinators and quarterback coach. Their most experienced quarterback on the roster is Ryan Finley, who was a rookie in 2019. And Joe Burrow's coming in as the unquestioned king of the castle. Compare and contrast that to the Dolphins, who hired a long time, Offensive play caller, Chan Gailey, who has experience going all the way back to the late 80s with the Denver Broncos and John Elway. Chan Gailey coached John Elway. And then he went to Pittsburgh. And they did a a lot of spacing stuff with Cordell Stewart. And then Chan had his, his opportunity to come to Miami for a few years and be a play caller in life after Dan Marino. And then he was in Dallas for a hot sec. And then he went to Buffalo. And then New York. Dude's been all over the place. He's seen everything. He had stops at college along the way and run college offenses. And then you take that and you put Ryan Fitzpatrick and his experience on top of that. The wealth of knowledge that Tua is going to have at his disposal versus Joe Burrow is not a variable that should be overlooked. I absolutely agree, Mike. It's a great question and it absolutely can have long-term implications. And the... The analogy that I make is this. Uh, Dolphins fans, um, you'll see some that, that bemoan the team not drafting Lamar Jackson in the NFL draft. Do you think if Adam Gase would have got Lamar Jackson, he would have known what, known what to do with him? Do you think if, if Patrick Mahomes would have gone to the Cleveland Browns with Hugh Jackson instead of Andy Reid in and the Kansas City Chiefs? Do you think he's this version of Patrick Mahomes? Probably not. So these environments are absolutely critical for some of these quarterbacks. Now there's quarterbacks that are able to transcend that and make everyone around them better. But would you rather have a favorable environment to put a quarterback into as a young player? I know I would. Sam, my question is as Dolphins GM, do you go all-in for the D- the Ducks' offensive tackle, Pene Sewell? Probably not. Uh, he's good. He's extremely good. But the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, and the, the Dolphins are not an offensive tackle away, and they just took two offensive tackles. Now, granted, you can move Robert Hunt inside the guard. You could probably move Austin Jackson a right tackle if he's comfortable with that stance. And now you're overhauled uh, all over again. You're getting guys starting in three new spots. But, no, I think the Dolphins have much more pressing needs by volume. I think they will continue to be a team that covets drafting by volume and having draft assets in volume. So if the Dolphins end up picking 10th and 16th and, you know, is going to go in the top three, no, I'm not going to endorse that move. Uh, for an offensive tackle, especially in an offense that is so quick game oriented that the ball is going to frequently be out of his hands. You know, it, that mitigates some of the need for guys that can pass protect for three and a half seconds with any consistency. Last question today, and there are other good questions that we have not discussed, uh, including. Uh, several questions about the safety position. So look for that tomorrow over at Dolphins War. Robert wants to know if you have the ability to sit down with Dolphins leadership of your choice, who do you choose? And what are the three questions you ask and why? You know what? I lied. That's such a great question. I want to make that a show next week. Maybe I can make that Monday show. No questions for leadership. And I'll go through what three questions I would have for each of the prominent figures in the Dolphins brass. So thank you, Robert, for a great question. So now I'm going to skip over the safety stuff because I want to do the safety discussion in writing content. What division and conference politically think correct? We'll finish with this one. What division and conference should the Dolphins be? in? Listen, they were in uh, an AFL team. They belong in the AFC. But what division do they belong in? Sure as hell not the East. You think about Buffalo, New England, New York. All these teams are bunched together. And then you got to trip all the way down the coast to come to Miami? Come on. Whereas you've got Tennessee. Houston. You want to triangulate teams. That's That would be where I start. I put the Dolphins in the South. No question. Jacksonville. Trade Indianapolis out of the South and put the Dolphins in the South. And that to me is a no-brainer. AFC South is the final answer. Kyle Krabs. Signing off for Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed this Friday version of Power to the Pod. I know I did. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Come back next week. We're going to handle Monday. We're going to do questions for Dolphins Brass. And we're going to talk about what three questions I would have for Brian Flores. What three questions I would have for Chris Greer. Maybe we'll bring Tom Garfinkel into the mix. Who knows? Maybe I'll bring one of these quarterbacks into the mix. Plenty to look forward to early next week, so come on back and see us, but not before you enjoy your weekend. Kyle Crab signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Dolphins.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.